Now our Bible reading this morning is continuing our series in Matthew's Gospel, Matthew chapter 20 and verses 1 through to 16 and John Coy is going to read that for us this morning. The parable of the workers in the vineyard. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, Why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, You also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came, and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who has hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. This is the word of the Lord. I was listening to a friend of mine who is a pastor down in Wales this week, and they've been doing an online series on the parables and I thought I would just have a look and see what parables uh, they had been doing and the very first one I clicked on was the parable of the workers in the vineyard and I thought great that'll give me some ideas for my sermon uh, on Sunday and he told this wonderful story of his mother who's born in the 1930s uh, and her sister and they had um, this was pre-war and their mother had made this wonderful mandarin jelly. Now, not very spectacular in these days, but remember, this was back in the 1930s, and mandarins were not something uh, that were uh, terribly um, accessible. And so the mother had made uh, these two mandarin jellies, one for each of the daughters. And the pastor's mum happened to be at home at the time, but her sister was away. I'm sure you can guess what happened. She took a real fancy to these jellies and didn't eat one. She ate both. 
And by the time her sister came in and said, where's the jelly that I was meant to have? It wasn't there. And so she said to her mum, that's not fair. That's not fair. Unfair. And if any of you here have children here today, you will hear that refrain. That is not fair. Or your grandchildren. That's not fair. We hear that all the time, don't we? Well, I wonder when we read the parable in Matthew chapter 20 today, whether in your head you thought to yourself, well, that's not fair. That's unfair. The workers who only worked part of the day should have got less than those who worked for the full day. Is that not what you thought? Come on, you're not being honest if that's not what you thought. And maybe there's something in this parable that just, just kind of got under your skin. It's not really very fair, is it? So this morning we're going to explore, is the vineyard owner unfair? Or is there something deeper that's going on? Now the context of this parable today is that Jesus is continuing his te- teaching on the nature of the kingdom of heaven. And remember in the passage that we looked at last week that Jesus was approached by a rich young man. And yet the man could not follow Jesus because he held too tightly to his riches. And his riches were, were pretty much an idol to him. Remember that the man comes to Jesus and he really wants to inherit it. What, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus reels off some of the commandments and the, the man says, well, I've done all that. What else am I lacking? Because he clearly you know, wanted to know there was something missing in his life. Jesus looked at him. In one of the Gospels, not Matthew, it says that Jesus looked at the man and loved him. He really wanted him to come into the kingdom. And he said to the man, sell all your possessions, give to the poor, come and follow me. And the man was unable to do it. Couldn't let go of his riches. And he went away sad. And remember that the disciples who were standing there and listening to this dialogue that was going on, they were astonished that a man of wealth, a man of status in the eyes of the disciples would not enter the kingdom of God. And they think to themselves how much they have given up. Remember some of these disciples, fishermen, left behind their boats, left behind their nets to follow Jesus. Some of them tax collectors left behind their job to come and follow Jesus. And they begin to wonder to themselves, well, is is being part of the kingdom worth it? Is following Jesus worth it? Sometimes if we're honest in our lives, we ask that question, don't we? Some of you here today have sacrificed a lot to follow Jesus. But remember what Jesus said to the disciples that they will receive a hundred times as much and eternal life. And eternal life. In other words, it will be worth it. And not just worth it, it will be more than worth it. And so as I look out to you this morning, if you're a believer in Christ, you're the richest people in the world. That's amazing, isn't it? That's a wonderful thing. Now, the last thing that Jesus said in the passage that we looked at last week was that the first will be last 
and many who are last will be first. And then he goes straight into the parable that we read today. Now, what we have to realize here is this parable is not separate to what's gone on before, but it's an integral part of it. And you can tell this because what does Jesus finish the parable with today? Did you notice? He finished it with, the last will be first and the first will be last. The same phrase as the last verse in chapter 19, but just reversed. At the end of chapter 19, it's the first will be last and the last will be first. Here it's the last will be first and the first will be last. And so Jesus tells this parable. Now, as John read the parable for us today, that, that parable's easy enough for us to understand, isn't it? Some workers are hired at the beginning of the day, and the landowner agrees to give them a denarius for their day's work. Now, a denarius was, was the usual day rate for a day laborer. It's a fair wage. And if that had been the end of the story, then we would have thought, well, quite fair. Wouldn't have thought any anything further of it, would we? A vineyard owner has hired some workers, he's given them a fair wage. We would have thought nothing about it. But then the story continues, doesn't it? Because the landowner goes back, and he goes back to the, to the village square, most likely, where the men were waiting to be hired. And he goes back at nine o'clock, as no one hired you, as he sees some men hanging about, and so he hires some at nine a.m. And then he hires some at noon, and then at three in the afternoon, and then at 5 p.m. Now, it might not have been unusual for a landowner to go back once, maybe to get some help. If they realized it was going to be a good day and they were going to get a lot of work done, maybe they would go back at nine o'clock to get a few extra workers. But the landowner's constantly going back and forth, isn't he? To go and hire these extra workers. Now, the crux of the parable comes when the workers come to be paid. Because they are taken in reverse order. And this is crucial to this, isn't it? Because those who are employed at 5pm, who have worked probably under an hour, what are they given? They're given a denarius, a full day's pay. Now, if that had been you or I, coming, you know, five o'clock, done probably 50 minutes work, probably 10 minutes to get to the vineyard in the first place, fantastic, wonderful. I've got a full day's pay for, for very little work. Now, those who are employed earlier, and particularly those who were employed first thing in the morning, who'd borne the brunt of the hard work, who'd been out in the heat of the day, well, they must have been rubbing their hands in anticipation. Because those who'd been employed at 5 p.m. had received a full day's wage. Those employed at the beginning of the day thought they would receive more. But here's the thing in the parable. Those employed at the beginning of the day, they too receive a denarius, a full day's wage. They don't receive more. And they don't receive less. But the thing is that they grumble. They grumble to the landowner. Because they did more of the work. They bore the brunt of the work. They were in the heat of the day. And what did they get at the end of it? The same pay. 
What are we to make of this? Well, the landowner makes it clear that he's been perfectly fair. He agreed with the initial workers to give them a day's pay. Did he give it to them? Yes, he did. And it's really up to the landowner if he wanted to be generous to those who came later. Those who who were employed first are only envious because of the landowner's generosity. You see, the thing is, if they were the only ones who were employed, they'd agreed what the wage should be. If they received their wage at the end of the day, they would have thought nothing else about it, would they? I've got to receive a fair wage. It's the fact that the landowner has been generous to those who have come after that they begin to grumble. Now, what is Jesus saying through this parable? Well, there are a couple of things that I think come out of this parable. The first thing I want you to notice is that God is never unfair. God is never unfair. He is just. In the parable, the owner does not swindle the first workers. He pays them a fair wage. And all throughout Scripture, we see God is fair. He's a God of justice. That's so important, isn't it? Because what do we see in our world? Often we see injustice, don't we? That makes us angry within. I am glad that at the end of time that justice will be done and justice will be seen to be done. Why is that? Because God is a God of justice. God is just. He's perfectly fair. And unlike us, he does what is right and what is true. You see, Like the disciples, we probably, wittingly or unwittingly, lay great stock in status. We all have our our biases, don't we? But God's not like that. He's fair to all. Why? Because the reality is that we all fall short of the glory of God. That's what Romans 6 says. None of us live up to his perfect standard, and therefore we're all recipients of grace. God is fair. God is just. He never leaves us shortchanged. Now the second thing I want you to notice this morning is that God is generous. God is generous. See, our country has had a lot of strikes recently, hasn't it? From lots of different sectors. People on the picket line who are struggling because of the cost of living crisis. But in Jesus' culture, there was no welfare provision or trade unions. So what did unemployment mean? It meant starvation. And many were living on a hand-to-mouth existence. And so we need to see that the action of the landowner in employing workers so late in the day was really an extraordinary act of generosity. If he hadn't employed them, they would have not had a wage that day. They would have had nothing to buy food with. And even more extraordinary is the rate of pay, which made no economic sense. No one was underpaid, but everyone was provided for. That's the wonderful thing in this parable. And I want you to notice this morning that God is generous. God is generous. Sometimes even in our prayer life, we think God is not generous. 
We think, you know, when we pray that God is unwilling. And so, you know, it's like we have to prize God's hand open to, to give us anything. That God is just wanting to crush us. I hope that we've seen in the last few weeks, and what we saw last week with the rich young man, Jesus was desperate for him to come into the kingdom. It was the man's own rebellion and his own idolatry that meant he didn't come into the kingdom. Jesus longs for us to come into the kingdom. He is generous. God is generous. And Jesus is saying that is what the kingdom of heaven is like. That God's grace is not limited by our ideas of fairness. His gifts are, are well beyond what we deserve. And we must accept the large heartedness of God towards those we might regard as undeserving. You see, the fact is, God is generous. And He really wants people to come into the kingdom. You see, the fact is, it doesn't matter when you come. It doesn't matter if you come at the beginning of the day, the morning, middle of the day, the end of the day. All wind up equal in the kingdom of God. What is it that Paul says later in Galatians 3? There's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. You're all one. You see, worldly status doesn't matter. We learn this with the rich young man because Jesus' kingdom and kingdom values are very different. Now note here that this parable is not necessarily about salvation or gaining eternal life because salvation is not earned by works. And neither is it about rewards in the kingdom because all receive the same at the end of the day. Rather, it's a lesson on gratitude and motivation in service. You see, the disciple should serve out of gratitude. For it's only through Jesus that the disciples receive anything. And the same, of course, is true for us. You see, we should rejoice when others are called into the kingdom without serving or or working as long as we have. You see, we can be guilty in the church, can't we? Why is that person here this morning? You know, really? What are they doing here? Why are they in the church? How can they have come to faith? I know what they've done in the past. Sometimes we can be guilty of that, can't we? But Jesus is saying that's wrong. Because the kingdom of heaven is open to everyone. It doesn't matter if you're converted as a child or whether you're converted in your deathbed. It's for all those who will trust and believe. You see, we should rejoice when others are called to the kingdom without serving or working as long as we have. We shouldn't get grumpy and think, oh, why are they coming to the church? Or how can they come to faith? Because it's all of grace. And if we grumble about it, it shows that we probably haven't understood at all the love that God has for us in the Lord Jesus. So I want you to see today, God is generous. And because God is generous, so should we. 
Because in God's upside down kingdom, the last will be first and the first will be last. Worldly status won't matter. Now, the world does not understand this. It thinks it's bizarre. Why would you give a full day's wage to those who've only worked for 50 minutes? It's ridiculous. It's silly. It makes no economic sense, does it? Sometimes when we look at the gospel, if we look at it from a worldly perspective, it makes no sense, does it? Why would God send Jesus into the world? Why would Jesus suffer and die? Why would Jesus spend time washing his disciples' feet? That makes no sense, does it? As we saw with the children. And yet that's what Jesus does. So let's humble ourselves, as Jesus did. Jesus, the one who washed the disciples' feet, the one who died on the cross for us. Let us follow the example of Jesus. And let's be grateful to God for all that he has done. You see, when we read this parable this morning, perhaps we do think it's unfair. But when we really think it through, do we see the generosity of God? Do we see that God is a God of justice? That God is a God who cares? And when we look at our own lives, do we recognize, Lord God, you have done so much for me. You have shown me so much grace, amazing grace. And because you've done that for me, because you've been so generous to me, then I ought to be generous to those around me. Not to hold stock in worldly status, but to recognize the kingdom values where the last will be first and the first will be last. Shall we just pray together? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, if we're honest as we think about this parable this morning, if we were one of those who had been hired early in the day, who had borne the brunt of the work, who had faced the heat of the day, then perhaps we would be grumpy that those who were hired later in the day, and especially those who were hired right at the end of the day, would receive as much as we have. But Lord God, we thank you that this parable teaches us something about kingdom values. That it doesn't matter when we come or how we come. That you're a God of generosity. And that you long for us to come into the kingdom. To be part of the kingdom. And we recognize that all that you have given to us is all of grace anyway. Heavenly Father, we ask for forgiveness for those times when we have been attracted by earthly status rather than understanding that your kingdom has very different values. And we pray, Lord God, that as the landowner is generous and just and fair, that following the example of Jesus, that we might be a people who are generous and just and fair. That we would not grumble 
when we see other people that we think might be unworthy coming into church or coming to faith, that we might not grumble about this, but rather we would rejoice. Because we recognize that it says in your word that whenever one person repents and puts their trust in Jesus and comes to faith, that there is much rejoicing in heaven. Lord God, if there's rejoicing in heaven, may there also be rejoicing in the church. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that we have learned through your word today, we pray. And we pray that we would be people of kingdom values and that, Lord God, that we might know the amazing grace, the amazing generosity that you have for each one of us, no matter our background, no matter what we've been through, no matter who we are. So, Lord God, assure us of your grace and your love, we pray. For we pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.